0: You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners.
1: The Major League Rugby season kicks off this Friday. And the Toronto Aeros, though their first home game isn't until early, uh, early April, so they will be on the road to start the year. And they've got a really cool partnership um, with, and means a lot for me. It's a cool story. Uh, my girlfriend right now, as I talked about yesterday, is uh, traveling to Africa because she has a nonprofit charity um, and it helped build a school in Mombasa, Kenya. So I'm always here for these cool stories. And we're joined by the president and owner and general partner of the Toronto Arrows. It is Bill Webb. Bill, thank you so much for joining the show today.
2: Great to join you, Matthew. Thanks for having me
1: on. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into everything with the Toronto Inner City City Rugby Foundation and just what you guys are doing, I'm curious about your own story a little bit. And I I believe uh, the team was first introduced to, to Toronto back in December of 2018. I'm curious your relationship and why you wanted to jump on board with professional rugby.
2: Well, um, rugby's played a really important part in my life uh, from my youth. I love the game. And uh, having grown up and worked in the investment business for a while, when uh, I heard some uh, rumors about a new league starting in North America, looked at a business plan, got some investors and some sponsors together, and I knew that we could put together um, the core of a team using the Ontario Blues amateur team, the representative provincial team, And we did a, we did a a one year uh, R and D proof of concept season and played against some MLR teams and, and did well. And then we decided to apply for entry into the league in December, 2018, we were accepted and the rest is history. We've been competing for five years now and had, had some adventures along the way. We had one season where we had to compete in Atlanta during COVID, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, here we are and ready to roll it for uh, 2023.
1: Yeah, and I believe the one year that was uh, cancelled or was suspended because of COVID, you guys had started off the year, you were undefeated. Um, what what lessons did you learn? Because it is always hard being the new guy, the new team, the new league, especially in a city like Toronto that often has a arms cross, prove it kind of thing. But uh, what lessons did you learn from anything with, with TFC, with the Argos, with other, with other uh, teams and leagues that Aren't the Maple Leafs or the Raptors?
2: Yeah, you know what, and we have uh, we have great relationships with folks at, at both those organizations, and and at the Jays, we've studied a lot about what they've done. We've really honed in on what, as a league, and both as a team, as what we look back to the lessons of the early days of Major League Soccer when what went well and what went wrong, and so we're trying to you know trying to not make some of the same mistakes. Control the, the rate of expansion in the league. We we have expanded as a league, but we don't want to. Overexpand for us. Are the the good thing that we have is that the rugby community is incredibly passionate. We may be a secondary sport, but people who are into rugby, like you're once you're in, you're in it for life. It's the only team contact contact sport where men and women play by the identical rules. And so there's we have a a passionate female fan base as well. Our our Canadian women just came fourth in the world in a world cup and there's a lot of excitement and people really hung with us through COVID, which was a real test. We went for over a thousand days without a home game. Mm-hmm. When we came back last season, the crowds just ramped and ramped and ramped up at York Lions stadium through the season. And we're expecting to break attendance records this year. So it's one day at a time. It's a, it's a new thing, but we've got great, uh, we've had great media partners like TSN and the globe and mail, and they helped help us get the word out. And we've had some, uh, I think this new partnership with uh, Turf, the Toronto University City Rugby right. Foundation, is going to help take things to a whole new level, too.
1: Well, tell tell people a little bit about it. Where the name, the logo is going to be displayed prominently on on your team jerseys. But what was it about this group and uh, that you wanted that you decided these this people, this organization, this nonprofit, uh, we want to be aligned with them?
2: Sure. So. The organization is called TIRF, T I R F, and it's uh, the Toronto Inner City Rugby Foundation, and it's T I I R T I R F rugby dot ca on on the internet. And it is a community uh, a community development group based around rugby, and it's about growing community and developing young people, primarily in the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area's priority neighborhoods through the game of rugby. And this organization's now been around for over 11 years, I've been involved almost since the beginning as an advisor. Uh, and so I've watched the organization and the impact that it's had on young people working, getting kids playing touch rugby, flag rugby, moving up to contact rugby. And they're very active in the schools, community centers, and wherever, you know, wherever they can get in across the GTA. And just to, to give you a sense of the impact and the reach of this organization, which is a, non, a non-profit organization, a nonprofit organization, call it it's a community impact. Last year they touched sixteen thousand young people, boys mm-hmm. and girls in the GTA. This year, and they've done it before COVID, they'll be back up to twenty-five to thirty thousand young people. And wow. it's really giving kids a place. I mean rugby's a, a really a sport that really focuses on its values. If you go to the World Rugby website, it leads right there with key values like discipline, respect, integrity, teamwork these are all things that not only make great rugby players, but great young people. And it's a very inclusive game. There's, there's room for all shapes and sizes in rugby. Um, Like I say, it's played by men and women and just has a real long history of inclusivity, regardless of your, your sex, where, you know, your socioeconomic status, your race, your, you know, your gender, your sexual orientation, but rugby just is a very accepting and community. And, we work hard and we play hard. Like rugby is known for, you know, the two, it's a sport where the two teams even at a professional match or an international match or a club match. After the, after the match, the, the guys you were playing against, you get together, you have a bite to eat, a din- uh, usually a, a dinner or a sandwich, and then you enjoy a beer together. And it's just an incredibly strong community bond. And we see that in the crowds as well that we have.
1: And I mean, it's important as well, and, and this is one thing we know for a fact that, you know, the the, the more time you can have kids at a young age doing, uh, playing sports, being on a team, and as you said, like, just you learn discipline and work ethic, but uh, beyond that, just getting a sense of self and a sense of belonging, I mean, it, the, the unintended consequences of kids being part of a program like this at the age of eight or nine, what that can do at 18 and 19 is pretty remarkable, isn't it?
2: It's it's huge. It's it's absolutely, it's incredible. And I've had the privilege and good fortune to watch a lot of young people come up through turf, uh, whether they've continued playing rugby, at, and many have at university and college, um, into the club system around Ontario. And, and, in fact, we've had two turf players work up through university and actually play for the Arrows, which is incredible. So, and I knew those young men when they were... When they were in the turf program, there's also been a young woman who's come up through turf and has is now currently playing for the Rugby Canada national women seven aside team. Which, again, and and this is it's great for the number of people watching rugby. These kids will come to our games. They'll bring their parents. We have programs where we can get free tickets to them that have been donated by corporate sponsors or union partners or people who have extra tickets that they can't see have a season ticket they can't use. And we have systems where these tickets can get into kids' hands and their parents and come to a professional, a very accessible and fun professional sports event that they might not otherwise be able to afford to get to. And that builds our fan base as well as the player talent pool. And there are, I can tell you being around rugby pitches a lot, there are a lot of talented young kids coming up through the, through the ranks.
1: Bill, I, I think it's really cool. Again, joined by Bill Webb, Toronto Arrows President, Owner, and the General Partner. Um, tell people a little bit just more about where do they go for more information about your team and about the schedule? And I know that the season kicks off on Friday. Your first home game isn't until Saturday, April 8th. And as someone who hates the cold, I appreciate that. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, where can people get more information of what you guys are all about?
2: You can find everything at TorontoArrows.com. Our schedule is there. All our tickets are on sale. Season tickets, which are very inexpensive for eight home games plus uh, playoffs, uh, four-game flex packs, single-game tickets. Merchandise is on sale. Our schedule is there. And um, and this yeah, Friday,
1: this sorry, this Friday on TSN. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, I believe yes. uh, you guys are, are taking on Atlanta. You're in Atlanta for uh, on the 17th.
2: We are for the Fire and Ice Cup and uh, then the first home game will be on April the eighth up at York Lions Stadium, which is thirty meters from uh Pioneer Village subway stop, so really easy to
1: get to. Nice. I haven't been in there since I was a kid, that Pioneer Village. By the way, the rugby New York Iron Workers, that's a good name. That's a, I'm just gonna say that is a that is a that is a good name. Hey, Bill, um First off, congrats on just the success, on the growth, and just all the work you guys have put in, you guys have put in it, uh, especially after especially after COVID, and now the work that you're doing with the Toronto Inner City Rugby Foundation, uh, that is fantastic, and wish you nothing but continued success.
2: Thanks, Matthew. Look forward to being on again and winning, bringing an M L R Shield to Toronto.
1: Thanks. Ab- absolutely, that is. That is going to be cool. And yes, this Friday, the first match of the season you can catch on TSN. That was Bill Webb. All right, on the other side of the show, um, usually the the rule is if you've got a guy in the NBA who's well under 30, who's made multiple all star teams and makes 30 plus million dollars a year, it wouldn't be difficult for that player to fit in with the organization. Except for one very specific player. I'm going to play the sound next and uh, I'll just go, woof. That's coming up right after traffic. There are always big stories that are going to get sort of, they're going to fall through the cracks. Like, for instance, we might be a little closer to. Ryan Reynolds uh being one of the owners of the Ottawa Senators a couple of days ago he teamed up with this giant uh, consortium called the Remington Group which is a Toronto-based real estate corporation in efforts to buy the club and don't worry Ottawa this this uh, real estate development company uh they're one of the largest builders in Ontario so it's not just a Toronto-centric thing. You got the state of golf in Canada with Nick Taylor, you know at the Waste Management Open um, He won two million bucks. He came in second, and it's the most the Canadians ever won in a single event, which actually, in a way, is a testament to live because the PGA Tour now has increased the purses. Well, the fact that now we have um, Nick Taylor is seventy third, and and Con- and uh, Corey Connors is thirty seventh, Mackenzie Hughes fifty third, Adam Hadwin sixty third, and Adam Sensen is sixty ninth. So you now have four cana or five, excuse me, Canadians at the top seventy five. The PGA. Then in the NBA, there is a conversation going on about how. Um, if you want to win an award, if you want to be, if you want to make an NBA all, an all NBA first or second or third team, that it's going to be linked to the number of games you played. Last year, only three players in the top twelve in MVP voting played more than sixty-eight games. Now, some of that is just bad luck and injuries. Some of that's also load management, rest. And I'm not going to say this: all the players being soft. The sometimes coaches, GMs team of scientists and doctors saying to guys, sit your ass down even when the player says, coach, I want to play. That to me is going to be a fascinating fight because the NBA is in trouble. They, they, this is an issue with them. When you don't see stars out there, especially on TNT games and and really just it robs so many fan bases who only get to see stars once a year and now no one has any idea. No one has any idea. But I want to stay with basketball. For a second, um, Josh, I'm going to um, I'm just going to read you the resume of a, of an NBA player, and okay. I want you to tell me if you think this guy is good or bad. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. He was the first overall pick. Now, in baseball, that might not mean as much. Uh, in in any sport, it can sometimes mean not as much, but in basketball, you know, in, in that's usually a pretty big deal. You're the number one overall pick. He's 26 years old, so he's not old. And in that time, and he's been in the league for like five, six years now, he's made the all-star team three times. He's made an all-NBA team. He's been a two-time all-defensive first-team member. I give you just that. 26, first overall pick, has been an all-star three times, including once was voted as one of the top 15 players in the NBA. You would assume what about this player?
0: I would assume that he is... An excellent talent mm-hmm. who doesn't complain as much, who plays almost every game. Yeah, um, he's loyal to a franchise. Okay, he now does, what's he? What's he as a player? Um, is he I, a good player or a bad player? I, I'd say he's a like a number one, number two option on the team.
1: On the Brooklyn Nets, Ben Simmons is 14th in scoring. 14th. Yeah. Ben Simmons is. Whatever happened in that final playoff series against Philly, I don't remember a guy this young, this talent, and this accomplished, this afraid to have the ball in his hand. He averages less than six shots per game. He goes to the free throw line barely over once a game. His career average for scoring is 15. This year he's averaging seven shots. Seven points per game. He's a $30, $40 million player. The thing is, it's not like... like, Who was the guy, Canadian, drafted by Cleveland, number one overall? uh, Anthony uh, Bennett. Anthony Bennett. This isn't an Anthony Bennett situation, where when Bennett got drafted, listen, it was a bad draft. There's not a lot of great quality that year. It's just a bad year. Don't don't tank in the year when Anthony Bennett's going to be like a number one pick. And he didn't work out. It happens. It's not an example of a guy who got drafted super high and didn't have any success. No. Ben Simmons had lots of success. Ben Simmons' his first three years was averaging almost 17 points per game while being one of the best defensive players, while averaging over eight assists, averaging nine rebounds, and did a great job of creating open space for other players. Like, like he was an important cog of Philadelphia's offense. And he's 26 years old. And it's not like he tore an ACL and MCL. It's not like he went like full Durant. And, and I bring this up because listen to his coach. Listen to Jacques Vaughn talking about finding a fit for a first overall pick 26-year-old who made three straight all-star teams. It's going to be uh, some work that we have to do because you just take a look at what the lineups could potentially look like. You put another big next to Ben, then you've got to figure out what the spacing is around him. Then if you put a playmaker next to him, then you've got to figure out what Ben looks like without the basketball. Then if you go small without, with Ben, then you've got to figure out can you rebound enough with him. The challenges are ahead of us. We'll look them head on. We'll figure it out. We have the personnel to figure it out. But you see the challenges that lie ahead.
0: That is disappointing, Matt. That's insane. That is so disappointing because you think of it. LSU, McDonald's All-American. Yeah. So much poise. The next LeBron James in the draft goes to Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. sits out a year, has a foot injury, wins Rookie of the Year, gathers multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards, stood up in big moments saying, I'm that guy on this Philadelphia 76ers team with Joel Embiid. We're trusting the process. Then 2020, 2021 hits. He became the most fined player in NBA history after sitting out an entire year. Yep. And he paid the price. And now, oh, I'm on Brooklyn. There's Kevin Durant. There's Kyrie Irving. We're joining forces in the Eastern Conference. Going to take down the Milwaukee. going to take down the Boston's of the world. Now what? They've got to the point where he can't score over ten points a game. He's afraid. He's like that's that's a thing that that shocks me. And
1: you know, I, I've I don't know what's going on. I don't know how much of it is mental. Obviously, I, I don't want to speculate on it. You know, he said before, well, you know, I'm not playing for Philly because mental health issues. And the problem is, is though, you know, we are so much better now at listening and respecting that and having a far greater amount of empathy for people that are suffering. With him, it felt like it felt a little convenient. Not that he wasn't suffering from it, but maybe, oh, now that's coming out. But this is not about relitigating his final six months, his final year in Philly. This is about looking at a guy who is young, who has seen a ton
0: of success, who has a lot of talent, and doesn't want the ball in his hands. As a as a guy who's been pointed as as the prime point guard and one of the most elite passes in the NBA throughout the last couple of years, before Lonzo Ball went down with an injury, it was the Ben Simmons-Lonzo Ball-type yeah. brawl and type duel in the NBA. Now it's like, where do they go? And how does this fit... Towards like a raptor standpoint, when you look at the Brooklyn Nets saying, "How much success do I need to have, and how much loyalty do I need to have to my team, to just be a good player?" Yeah, that's the difference. And with what Brooklyn Nets and Ben Simmons are doing right now, it's shocking, Matt. It really it simply is. is.
1: The Toronto Maple Leafs take on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Uh, they're fa- they're favored by minus six ten. We've had only two minus 500 or more this year, both by the Leafs. They lost one of those games. And to me, the best stat, the best stat about how crazy the Maple Leafs are just from everyone wants to bet on them. The Boston Bruins has, have not this year once been favored by minus 500 or more. And again, if people don't know, that means you, wanna, you think they're going to win? Sure. Okay. You want to win 100 bucks? I'd love to. Okay, you're going to have to bet 500. You're going to have to put up 500 for, them, for you to win 100. They've never been minus 500. They're the best team in hockey. The Leafs are now minus 610, and I know part of that is it's back-to-back for Chicago. It's third game in five days. This is what you call the NBA guaranteed loss night. Austin Matthews is back, but minus 610 is crazy. What, What would your philosophy be on this game? You know, and, and strictly the money, the money line. Don't give me spread or and or puck line or anything like that. Just strictly
0: the spread. What do, you got? Five bucks, Josh. What are you doing with this game? Totally not placing it on the money line. There's just no. No, no,
1: no, no, no. No, you didn't listen to me. You can only bet the money oh. line. You only get the money line. Just either. Money either. Line. Or are you taking? Are you taking the 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 Blackhawks at plus four four forty? Are you taking
0: the the Maple Leafs at minus six ten? I'm personally going to take the Maple Leafs on minus six ten. You coward! I'll go against Absolutely you. Absolutely cowardly. It it seems like the the night you you, re, you you said it there. Max Domi, Patrick Kane. This team is just not in the right sets of winning. They have not won on a back to back this year.
1: All right, then let me ask you this: True or false? If there's any team in the history of hockey
0: that could be minus six ten and lose at home. It's this Maple Leafs team. It sure is the the record against the spread against when they're minus four hundred or more is actually in the decrease. Yeah, it's in the negative. So I can see what you're saying. You're, you're going to get that money up. I know you're placing the the, the box money line tonight. I, with yes, Peter Morazic and net. Peter not going to fare the
1: Mrazek if that if that game is zero zero after the first period and Morazic's made nineteen saves,
0: everyone's going to be so angry. The, How much money? I think it goes to this. How much money, if it generated a minus 610... How much money is being placed on these on FanDuel sportsbook? So app? much money is just is just. I've,
1: and think about this: how many people are just throwing the Leafs in as part of their thing parlay? Ah, I'll throw the Leafs in, and that'll help my odds. That'll help my payout a little bit.
0: Yeah, Maple Leafs averaging three goals per game, Blackhawks averaging uh, allowing three goals per game. Mm-hmm. So we're sensing that it could possibly possibly be an over. Now you know what I also saw. Mm. You know, in the NHL, when sportsbooks set the spread, set the puck line at about minus one and a half. Yeah. The Leafs are two Maybe and a Leafs half. Leafs two and a half. Two and a I, half. Think a, that, I think that's i I've never seen that. That's an inaugural yeah. moment. Yeah. I, in but in betting that a team is favored by three goals, essentially, I haven't seen that. I have not once. Um,
1: and then, and then, final thought: Austin Matthews going to return tonight on that first line, and this is the crazy part: is that Austin Matthews by the books. The books are telling you Austin Matthews has a better chance of scoring tonight in his return versus the guy who leads the NHL in goals scored in Conor McDavid.
0: The, there's, there's so much pressure and there's so much poise in Matthews' game against Chicago. Uh-huh. He's put up the numbers throughout his entire career. Um, we were talking about it in the first hour, but looking ahead to what 88's going to do. Patrick Kane, all of, his, all of our eyes are going to be set on him tonight, saying uh-huh. could we imagine him in a blue and white? Like, personally, Matt, I'm posing you the question now. Could you imagine a player of, of the stature of Patrick Kane? Yes, many people point to me saying it has to involve Matthew Nice and it won't involve Matthew Nice. Not Cal for Kane. Lewis has talked no. About it. no, no, no. What is the asking price to you that you would have to give up for a Patrick Kane type player?
1: Uh, first, well, obviously the Blackhawks are going to have to take a, eat a lot of that salary. They're going to eat a lot of that salary. You're probably going to have to give up a first. You're probably have to give up uh, get, like if you're not going to get rid of one of your prospects, you're going to have to get rid of some draft capital. Like, if you're the Blackhawks, you're like, we are going in full rebuild mode. And if you're the Maple Leafs, like, we can't, we can't go another year and not winning a playoff round. And what happens in every elimination game uh, in the playoffs? The power play goes bye-bye. They don't score. They never score. Like, 0-17 or some ridiculous stat like that. So the, the
0: Leafs are going to be the desperate team here. They are. They're going to be the desperate team at the trade deadline. And it's crazy to see Patrick Kane with the, the career he's had, 92 points last year. And he's been horrible have this year. At thirty-five points, nine well, goals.
1: Well, what you hope for? I, I know we we, we got to go. Keith, well, Keith Law is going to join us. We're going to get in baseball. I'll just say this: uh, maybe his defense doesn't look as bad within the organization of the Maple Leafs that have played great team defense all year. And second, you're more motivated, and you know human psychology is a part of this. I know we just like to look at numbers. These are also human beings. Keith Law is going to join us. We talk about the state of the Blue Jays farm system, the state of their off season, and his thoughts. What's more important: a healthy Springer or a rebounded Jose Boreos? We'll do that right after traffic.
3: Yeah. Ah!
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew because You are listening to TSN 1050, but I bet you already knew that. Very soon, it's funny, when the Super Bowl ends... Suddenly the attention turns a lot more towards baseball. And there's been some great work done by our own Scott Mitchell looking at all things Bo Bichette, the health of George Springer, the, um, any little mini tweaks going on with Jose Barrios. And then it's funny, you sort of just, you know, open your eyes, and now you start reading all your favorite baseball writers. And it kind of just takes like a day. It's like, oh, yeah, Kevin Kiermeyer's here, and, and Varsho's here, and oh, yeah, Brandon Belt and Eric Swanson. And then you're like, oh, wait, where's Teoscar? Oh, that's all right. He got traded to Seattle, and that kind of bums you out a little bit. You feel good about the fact that Boba Shed has avoided arbitration, gets that three year deal. No one wants to deal with arbitration, it is messy. And it is awkward. So now we can focus more just on the game of baseball. We know that um, Vlad signed a uh, Vlad signed a contract as well. So we're, the good thing is we go into this year without any conversations about contracts, about extensions, about management versus owners, owners versus managers, uh, or sorry, players versus management, management versus players, and all that. And then We can focus on things. What was the size of the base? And, oh, yeah, the ban, uh, the shift has been banned, you know, and then you go through it all. and, And then after that, when you go over your own team, then you look at the American League East. And you go, wait, is Boston still going to be bad again? How much better is Baltimore? What's their climb going to be like? No one has any idea about Tampa because uh, they trade all their stars away. And then we look at the Yankees. Well, join me now. And it's been ages. One of our favorites. A must-read. One of the reasons why you got to subscribe to The Athletic. It is Keith Law. All things baseball. All things food. All things board games. All things movies. Keith, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me. So let's start where we normally would with a baseball conversation. I haven't seen RRR yet, but that's on the top of my movie list. Uh, I didn't know if you've seen it yet, and if not, if there's another movie that you would recommend with Oscar season upon us.
4: Uh, I have not seen it because it was only nominated for Best Song. I hear it's good. Obviously, it has its its fans, but we are trying to spend our time going through as many of the Oscar nominees as we can. Have you seen After Sun? No,
1: no, I haven't seen After Sun yet.
4: Uh, Paul Mescal, very deserving Best Actor nominee. Yep. I thought it certainly should have gotten a Best Picture nomination. It is hilarious to me that Top gun Maverick and uh, All Quiet on the Western Front and the whatever that Blue Man Group movie is all got nominations. <laughs> After Sun is clearly a top five movie of the year, and it gets horribly snubbed Um, that and decision to leave were the two big snubs for me among candidates I've seen for best picture. uh, And I highly recommend both of them.
1: Okay. I'm going to do after Sun. I will, I will admit I did enjoy um, top gun and I, I I just watched all quiet on the Western front and I, I thought it was just um, visually, I thought it was just a, and the sound was a stunning movie. Um, But, uh, but okay. After Sun. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Did you know war was bad? Wait. A Turns out minute. that's the that's the theme of all quiet on the Western Front. War war is bad.
1: But yeah. in Top Gun, war is good, so they balance yes. each other out. This is true. This is true. Well they should have, like in a matter
4: antimatter thing, they should have destroyed each other uh-huh. and neither should have gotten nominated.
1: One other question about this. How much better would Top Gun have been if you found out halfway because there's, like, snowy mountains if they were invading mm-hmm. Canada? Like, I thought, I had that thought uh, yeah. in my head, and I started giggling at the idea that Maverick was trying to get Canada.
4: That would have actually been much funnier. And that movie is highly entertaining, by the way, but it is not a best picture. It
1: is not a great movie. It's no. entertaining. No. That's it, great. That's fine. Yeah. It's good. Yes. Yes, it's it's like last weekend. I finally watched Amadeus, and then afterwards I watched Face Off. There's room for both in our lives. (laughs) Yes, there is. Absolutely. Um, Let's start here. We'll get the question you get asked, but you just replace the team with a different team. Um, Right now, Mm -hmm. the state of the Blue Jays farm system, I imagine, it's not exactly stocked because you know Toronto's one of the organizations that's going for playoffs more than they are for rebuilding.
4: Yes, they've traded some prospects, they've graduated some prospects. Um, I actually think, and they only had one prospect on my top 100, I actually think the farm system is in better shape than that might imply, because I think there's quite a bit of depth in, um, particularly position player depth in high A and below, all the way down to the DSL, and I think... Um, I'm basically projecting that that group will take a nice step forward this year. And also, there is that little group of pitchers led by Ricky Kiedemann, but others like Joshua Zuleta, and Aiden Younger, who were in A to finish last year, who will probably all impact the major league club at some point this year. It remains to be seen in what roles, but I do see a place for all three of those guys on a major league roster, on a contending roster, not just this year, but going beyond.
1: Yeah, and uh, oh, sorry, uh, is there, uh, I was just wondering again if you could throw out any names that like we should keep an eye on. Maybe guys we don't see in April, but guys we see in June. Or uh, really August maybe.
4: Yeah, it would really be those those guys. Like I think Zulueta and Younger probably come up sooner. You know, Tieneman obviously is the jewel of the system, so you build yeah. a lot of your pitching plans around him, right? You're not rushing him to the big leagues when you have a need, but Zulueta, it's premium stuff. He actually has the arsenal to start. He has never shown the commander control to start, and he's obviously barely stayed healthy. That might be the guy you bring up first because you need someone in the bullpen. He's probably going to sit ninety-seven to one hundred in relief with multiple additional weapons that may be the guy you say look he's a little older he hasn't stayed healthy anyway we bring him up for short-term pitching help while we try to continue to develop Tiedemann to get him to work on uh, some of the secondary stuff and also just he's another one he's got to uh, build up because he kind of wore down at the end of last year you want to make sure that you are pacing him so that he can continue to increase his workload to become a starter without excessively fatiguing him over a long season
1: what would you make, um, your overall thoughts of the Blue Jays offseason in its totality with guys that were traded like Lourdes Gurriel and Tiosca Hernandez, the Varsha's Belts, Kiermaier, Swansons that have come in? Like just, if you throw it all into a big Bula base, um, you know, how, how did this off season taste for you?
4: Um I like that trade quite a bit with Arizona you know they gave up a lot I think Gabriel Moreno has a chance to be a real star a high average not much power but a high average solid obp plus defensive catcher but you've got to give something to get something and Varsho is a pretty you know, for a for a guy who's already got some time in the big leagues he's no longer uh, uh, considered a prospect or a rookie, but he's still got, I think, some upside remaining. I still think there is some offensive development there. And it has turned out, much to the surprise of, I think, basically anyone who ever saw this guy, He's a really good defensive outfielder, like a really, really good defensive outfielder, and that is something I think the Blue Jays needed on multiple levels. I think it helps them quite a bit just in and of itself, and also um, between him and Kiermaier, you know, if this keeps George Springer from ever having to take a single inning in center field, and that, that furthermore helps him stay healthy going forward, great. I am completely on board with that also you know it's, it's a minor thing but loved seeing them at least get boba under contract for a couple of years hopefully they're able to do a longer extension with him at some point but i do think um you know i think that one move in particular that's the big thing of the off season and i, I thought it was a really good one i thought they very clearly addressed a major need that they had
1: all right. Tricky question for you. You can only pick one. Again, we're joined by Keith Law. Follow him on Twitter at Keith Law. Very easy to find. Uh, and writer for The Athletic. Which, and both, both these options are important. Which one might be the 51% versus 49% of importance? <laughs> a fully healthy year or a relatively fully healthy year for George Springer or a rebound year for Jose Barrios? Which one's more important? Oh,
4: that's a great question. Um, I think the rebound year for Barrios does more for this team. Um, Particularly because it's such a disappointment. I've heard they are at least open to offers on him because they're concerned, right? They've got several more years on this contract. If we're just not getting what we paid for, maybe you know, trade my bad contract for your bad contract. I can completely understand that. But if he does go back to being the pitcher that they thought they were acquiring in the first place, that's a pretty big swing versus what... He provided or didn't provide essentially last year, maybe more than the switch from what Springer gave last year to say 150 games of him this year. It's close, but I think Berrios was just, he was so bad last year, so disappointing. And the, I always fear you have a guy that you've essentially penciled in for 170, 180 innings or more. And on pitches like that, yeah. and then suddenly you're, put, you're trying to get more innings out of your bullpen. You're putting more pressure on the bullpen. The bullpen's more fatigued. You start churning through pitchers. There's a real ripple effect. That is not the same when a, when a top position player goes down.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. But also, okay, I'm happy with that question because the length of time of your pause meant, okay, that was a good question. If it's anything yes, long yeah, if it's longer than two, two and a half seconds. Um you know what, let us you're we always love talking about prospects with you. So it's kind of a different question. And and you might not have an answer for this but you know you, you've been part of organizations part of the Blue Jays in the past how tough is life right now for Nate Pearson I'm not talking obviously personally but as a guy who was this incredible prospect rightfully so he has all these tools all the skills but injuries, bad luck, whatever has derailed it where well, you've gone for part of your young developing life where everything comes easy and now everything's hard how, how tough is this right now for a Nate Pearson?
4: I feel terrible for him, right? That's the you know the weight of the expectations. I don't care who you are. You have to know. He knew he was – I think at one point I ranked him as the best pitching prospect in baseball, which, by the way, is a pretty uh, – what's the word? Not dubious, but that is you don't want that cramp, right? <laughs> it's Forrest <laughs> Whitley was that guy once. I remember Adam Miller in Cleveland. It wasn't my list because it was a little before I was doing this, but he was another one. Best pitching prospect in baseball. Miller never got to the big leagues. Whitley still hasn't gotten to the big leagues and, and you know, whether it's injury or bad luck and, you know, think Mark Appel, number one pick in the draft. Like, you know, they don't always work out and it's why every year <laughs> the top pitcher on my top 100 creeps a little lower, a little lower, a little lower. Eventually, just going to be 100 position players. Uh. You, know, you know what? These pitches are all terrible. I give up. You know, I Pearson at least, well, one, he got there and that is not nothing and he's going to have some kind of big league career. It may be checkered because he may continue to get hurt and just be on and off the injured list. I hope that's wrong, obviously, but guys who have a history of getting hurt, do tend to continue to get hurt, but there's a place for him, right? I do think he will be able to, this is a trivializing way to say it. He'll find work. He will get opportunities. I hope he gets the extended run of health to show us even a tiny bit of what we thought he would be. If at this point he just ends up a 16 year, a year reliever, but can kind of stay healthy. I think he'll be valuable. And you'd have to say, given how far he seems to have fallen, mostly because of health, that's that's a pretty good outcome for him.
1: Yeah. And and yeah, I remember reading all your work on him and just all the analysis. And yeah, it's tough to see. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I just I just thought of one more question that might be more difficult than my last one. Are you ready for <laughs> this Keith Law? Sure. What is more awkward? Tom Cruise sex scenes in film or arbitration uh, meetings in baseball. I'm Tom Cruise like sixty.
4: Yeah, he's... I mean he's he's older than I am. I think he's actually shorter than I am. Not, you don't want to be either of those things.
1: <laughs> Are you? Uh, I by the way, I brought that up as well. I'm uh, I'm five seven. I take a point of pride in knowing that I think I'm taller than Al Pacino and Tom Cruise and Prince. Oh yeah, you're right. Prince. Oh, we got to do the Tuesday it was top. It very clock. fun size. Yes, 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 absolutely. But you haven't answered the question. More, uh, more awkward. A Tom Cruise sex scene like we saw in Top Gun, or when mm-hmm. uh, player and management has to go to arbitration to decide how good is this player really.
4: Oh, the, the, it's clearly arbitration because the Tom Cruise sex scene is over in like 2
1: minutes. That is true. And there's never much nudity. Not that I'm complaining, but on top Gun, it I was don't just it was some laughing. It was them, laughing.
4: It was la- them yeah. laughing in it, with a, a t-shirt cinemac. on. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
4: It was actually it was I, I remember as that happened I'm like, wow, we didn't see anything. Nothing. That's kind of shocking. Yeah. Like for a big blockbuster movie, there was no gratuitous anything. No saxophone scene. I feel like that's that's so rare at this point.
1: Yeah. Do you have a, uh, we'll continue the awkward with this awkward. Do you have like any stories or tales, either you were involved or, or, uh, people at peer group talking about it, about just w- one of the worst arbitration meetings. Cause they just seem so like, I wouldn't want to be any part of it. I'm cringing just thinking about being on one end of the, uh, of that table.
4: I, I, we never went to one when I was with the blue Jays, blue Jays had a long, long stretch, I think where they didn't go to a hearing, um, which I, I just philosophically said is probably not great. I, I used to argue one of these years we have to go to prove we'll go right? mm. just to make our, you know, so that we have some credibility when we threaten to go. Um, you pick the right situation, obviously, but we, we never went in the, it would have been five springs. I was there, whether it was possible, We um, came close, but never actually went all the bad stories I've ever heard involved the player being in the room. It's just, it, nothing is improved by the player being in the room because the, it, it is at, the, the entire purpose of management in that room is to argue that the player deserves the lower number, and that means spending a lot of time running the player down, essentially. And uh, too many players, they just shouldn't be there, right? You're, there's no good that comes of you being in that room. You take it personally, but it's not – and you know, I am no defender of you know, capital over labor, but in that situation, it's not personal. It's just business.
1: Ah, uh, See, the capitalist comes out in you as always. By the, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Keith, I've pulled up and I might play in my next segment uh, from the Huffington Post. Top 10 best sex scenes involving Tom Cruise. Oh. Uh, Wow. Why would you do that? Um, You know, I like to amuse myself. Uh, Let's see. Oh, Jerry Maguire. Kelly Preston at number two. Okay, you know what? Now we're just wasting your time. Keith, I love having you on. It's always a blast. Chat with you soon. Thank you so much. And again, as always, check out his work from The Athletic. All the best, my friend. My pleasure. Take care. That is. by the way i bring this up just because in the latest top gun movie uh uh, tom cruise and the woman that he's involved with the sex scene is the two of them like on the bed and then it's them just like falling over laughing and they're both like fully clothed it was a weird moment
0: matt there aren't many people in this world (laughs) that can tie in the Blue Jays back at spring training. Yeah, and sex scenes in movies. That's right. You, I think, I think you were the only person to ever do that. I feel good about that. And bad.
1: <gasps> Sound of the day coming up next, right after traffic. Gameplay on TSN 1050 has been brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. And if you do go to the FanDuel Sportsbook app, you'll see the Maple Leafs are favored by over minus 600. It's like minus 610 and to put that in perspective, the Bruins haven't been favored even at minus 500 once this year and they're the best team in hockey. It just goes to show you the level of interest, attention, and passion that uh, the Maple Leafs arouse around North America and also just how bad Chicago is and back-to-back for Chicago and third game in like five days. And we saw them play yesterday and they got shut out by Montreal. I think they lost like 4 nothing in that game. And speaking of Leafs and Blackhawks. That is the subject for sound of the, day.
4: sound of the Day. Sound of the Day! Here comes the Sound of the Day!
1: And here is Austin Matthews making his return on how he feels, how he expects to play. I felt good. I think, you know, everything's just kind of moving in the right direction. So it was nice to kind of get back on the line and, and run through. Uh, run full, full practice and just kind of try to get the uh, timing back and everything like that. So just kind of see how, you know, everything responds tomorrow morning and just kind of see how I'm feeling. But, uh, you know, for myself, uh, you know, just trying to get in the mindset and anticipating anticipation of uh, playing and just kind of go, uh, go from there and see how I'm feeling tomorrow. And I would recommend it's something cool that we do on FanDuel is the first to five you know, you can you can do that bet uh, for the Maple Leafs minus two sixty. They'll be the first to get five shots. Um, but I I don't know. I just think of this game tonight. I just I just I wouldn't bet on the Maple Leafs. I just throw five dollars down on Chicago. I will say this: if the Blackhawks, if the Blackhawks win
0: tonight, do you know how easy tomorrow's show is going to be? It's going to be pretty disastrous if yeah. the Maple Leafs can't take down the Chicago Blackhawks. And to speak more about this game, hmm. he has a little bit of a bedding inside here. Oh. Michael DeStefano, Al's brother, host he, of Leaf's lunch.
1: The Forsaken One. How how are you doing, A B? Uh, has has your heart been repaired after Jeff O'Neill dumped you? What a what a jerk he was. The
3: day before Valentine's Day, via oh. text. Via, via text,
1: text, text message shame. That's rough. That is tough.
3: A smart play tonight, though, and this is one that I mentioned on on my best bets on on Leafs lunch. If you do like the Leafs' money line, you're not going to bet the minus 650 because that's atrocious. No, But you can do the parlay, 60-minute parlay with Maple Leafs' money line over five and a half goals. If you think it ends in regulation, Leafs win more
1: than five goals, it's looking at minus 110. That's a
3: much more attractive bet if you want to roll
1: with the Leafs to win the game. I like it. I like it. Here's my bet that involves the Maple Leafs. I just did, and it's $5 bet. I got the Rangers, the Sabres, the Oilers, the Lightning, and the Leafs. Five-team parlay. The one thing they all have in common, they're all minus 200-plus on the money line. They, you know, they're taking on bad teams like Vancouver, Anaheim, uh, Detroit, Arizona, and the Blackhawks. Five bucks pays me over
0: 20. And Blackhawks average against 36 shots per game. That's pretty rough. So maybe sprinkle on Marner or Matthews shots. Yeah, oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, A B. We
1: got. I got one minute left here. How um, miserable slash easy will Leafs lunch be tomorrow if the Blackhawks win tonight?
3: That's a good way to put it, because it will be miserable, which often means that it'll be an easy show to do, because yeah. we'll be able just to spew off about the nonsense. Like, tonight, they got to get this win. Coming off that game on Saturday against Columbus, Ugh. you already got ripped into by your coach, you got your superstar coming back, Chicago on night two of the back-to-back. It's must-win in
1: that aspect uh. when it comes to tonight. So if they don't do that... Yeah, there'll be words tomorrow at noon. It's funny. We don't really have Leafs guests on tomorrow's show. we got some good stuff, including Summer McIntosh is going to join the show tomorrow. Um, Canada, one of our greatest swimmers. But I already told Josh, Leafs lose tonight. We've got to shake things up. We're going to need to have at least one Leafs guest on. I, I hope it's wrong. I want tomorrow's show not to be that easy. I prefer joy over pain. And we will end the show on that note. Everyone, be good. Be safe. Have a great Wednesday. Overdrive is coming up next. And uh, we, will, uh, we will catch you tomorrow. And this traffic report is brought to you by JanPro.